Join Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin for a new monthly edition of the Capital Ideas Podcast. It's your look inside one of the world's largest asset managers. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Invest 30 minutes today. American Funds Distributors, Inc. You know, it can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. Invisible struggles like stress and burnout, caregiving for a loved one, or being misunderstood. But insight, awareness, and empathy will help us better see the issues they're dealing with. And that can make us and our companies healthier, too. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. Good morning. It's Monday, the 27th of November here in London. This is the Bloomberg Daybreak Europe podcast. I'm Caroline Hepke. And I'm Stephen Carroll. Coming up today, the Prime Minister tells Bloomberg he'll prioritise tax cuts over more money for public services. Israel and Hamas look to keep the temporary truce in place as more hostages are freed. And grappling with a growing backlash, Elon Musk will meet Israel's president as the controversy over anti-Semitism continues. Let's start with a roundup of our top stories. Rishi Sunak says public services will need to become more efficient with the money they have to fund his desire for more tax cuts. In an exclusive interview with Bloomberg, the Prime Minister denied that the tax-cutting strategy will lead to a significant squeeze on government spending. Here's what he told our colleague Francine Lacqua. Government spending in the UK right now is at very high levels. Historically, over this parliament, it's grown at very high levels, even in real terms after the impact of inflation. So I think any commentary or accusation that that's what's happening is just simply unfounded. Government's already spending a lot of people's money. And what we need to see going forward is more productivity out of the public sector. It needs to match what we've seen in the private sector post-COVID. And I'd rather focus on efficiency in the public sector and prioritise cutting people's taxes rather than the government spending ever more of their money. The comments come as Sunak's government battles criticism that last week's £21 billion of business and personal tax cuts will lead to austerity. That's after the UK's fiscal watchdog, the Office for Budget Responsibility, said the giveaways would need to be funded by a £19 billion reduction in real-terms government spending. Now, Israel and Hamas have signalled that a temporary ceasefire could be extended beyond Monday. Under the current agreement, Hamas is releasing 50 hostages in exchange for 150 Israeli-held prisoners. The pause in fighting... um, between the two is due to end tomorrow morning unless further captives are released. But even if it is extended, Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu says the truce won't be made permanent. I want to say there is also an outline that says you can release 10 more every additional day. It is a blessed thing. But in the same breath, I also told the president that at the end of the outline, we will return with all our strength to realize our goal, the elimination of Hamas. Benjamin Netanyahu there speaking through a translator after holding talks at the weekend with US President Joe Biden. 200 aid trucks entered Gaza on Sunday with the humanitarian pause largely holding since going into effect. Elon Musk will today meet with the Israeli president and representatives of families of hostages held in Gaza. The closed-door meeting appears to be an effort to defuse a growing backlash over the billionaire's endorsement of an anti-Semitic tweet. While Musk has drawn support from notable figures, including hedge fund manager Bill Ackman, others, including Rishi Sunak, say the Tesla and SpaceX chief shouldn't be given a pass because of who he is. 
I don't tend to get in the business of scrutinising what every single person says who I've interacted with. Of course I abhor anti-Semitism. It doesn't matter whether you're Elon Musk or you're someone on the street who's shouting abuse at someone who happens to be walking past you. That's wrong in all its forms. Anti-Semitism in all its forms is completely and utterly wrong. Sunak's careful criticism comes just weeks after the British Prime Minister had a fireside conversation with Musk at the UK's AI summit. The comments stop short of the full-throated condemnation by US President Joe Biden, who said the billionaire's tweet was a, quote, abhorrent promotion of anti-Semitic and racist hate. Reports suggest that President Joe Biden will miss this year's COP28 summit to to devote time to the Israeli-Hamas conflict. According to the New York Times, he will skip the talks for the first time in two years. Leaders and officials from more than 200 countries are expected to attend the UN Climate Summit in Dubai that begins on Thursday, which is being led by Sultan Al-Jabbar, who is the CEO of the Abu Dhabi National Oil Company, or ADNOC. The news comes after Joe Biden called climate change the quote ultimate threat to humanity earlier this month. UK lawmakers call for regular reviews of the Bank of England after recent mistakes. Bloomberg's Tiwa Adebayo has the details. The House of Lords Economic Affairs Committee wants UK lawmakers to assess the central bank every five years after a string of quote errors that let inflation surge. Members of the committee, including former Governor Mervyn King, are pushing for the Bank of England's remit to be trimmed in a report marking 25 years of its independence. Despite being critical of its decision-making, the Lords Committee recognises that the BOE is not the only central bank that failed to anticipate high inflation, which revealed a, quote, lack of diversity of view in the wider central bank community. The calls come at a time when public confidence in the institution is at a record low. According to its own survey, 40% of the British public say central bank policymakers are doing a bad job of handling inflation. In London, Tiwa Adebayo, Bloomberg Radio. Now in a moment we'll get the latest on Gaza and the possibility of extending that temporary ceasefire with our Middle East breaking news editor Dana Crate. But another story that caught our eye this morning is ahead of COP28 this week, of course we're talking about Joe Biden not going there um, to the summit mm. according to those reports but the food, the UN's food agency has put out a report um, which will call on the world's richest countries or people rather therein to curb their excessive appetite for meat. This is part of a plan to bring the global agri-food industry in line with the Paris Climate Agreement. Food systems account for about a third of global greenhouse gas emissions. Uh, A lot of that footprint linked to livestock farming. Mm. And this is going to be an effort, not a binding commitment that they're looking for from these countries, but nonetheless a plan that governments can sign up to for that then to influence policy and particularly investment decisions in the agri-food industry and and what government attitude is to it. Yeah, look, I think a lot of... um governments in rich countries have been loath to sort of tell people to eat less meat and indeed that there has mm. been a controversy over that politically here in the UK. On the other hand, in Britain certainly we've seen less meat eating, partly the cost of living crisis but also perhaps that sort of health message about you know eating less processed meat, less red meat but certainly the consumption in the UK has gone down although it's still you know as the, the UN has pointed to far too hard. Yeah look at any of the big agricultural countries this is going to be a very controversial uh, statement and something 
something that I think that the UN uh, Food Agency is preparing for and putting out this plan as well. But nonetheless, that has, um, has to come in the context, of course, of the challenges being faced of trying to address climate change as well and how the agri-food industry um, needs to take part in that. Mm, yeah, absolutely. Anyway, it's a piece on the Bloomberg Tamil. If you want to read more, of course, ahead of uh, the COP meeting on Thursday. Right, let's turn our attention, though, to the big interview this morning. Prime Minister Rishi Sunak has brushed aside criticism that his government is pushing Britain into another phase of austerity. The Prime Minister has been speaking to Bloomberg exclusively ahead of the UK's Global Investment Summit, which will include the bosses of Blackstone, Goldman Sachs and others. Here he is speaking to Bloomberg's Francine Lacroix in Downing Street. The story of the UK is an economy that has got real momentum. So I've been Prime Minister for just over a year. During that time, we've halved inflation, as I said we would do. We've known now that the UK economy has recovered faster from the pandemic than pretty much any other major European economy. And over the long term, we're still forecast to outperform major European economies. Um, But crucially, business investment has grown faster than any other G7 economy over the last few years. And I think ultimately, if you want to drive growth and productivity in an economy, you need businesses to be investing, we have more momentum for business investment here than anywhere else. So look, I I feel actually very positive about the long-term growth outlook for the UK. So do you think the OBR is actually going to have to revise them upwards? Are you confident that the numbers will come in so that you can continue cutting tax? What I can tell you is that when I became Prime Minister just over a year ago, not just the OBR, but also the Bank of England, the OECD and the IMF, all of them predicted that the UK would be in recession this year. That hasn't happened. We, we put in place a set of policies to ensure that it didn't. And I'm delighted the UK economy has outperformed all of those and has grown this year better than anybody thought. So, look, I've got a track record in outperforming what people think. And the, as I said, the UK economy has real momentum now. Inflation has been halved. Business investment is growing faster than elsewhere. And as I said, we've got commitments totaling almost £30 billion for our summit, significantly more than we've had in the past. So I think that shows that investors and companies are voting uh, with, their, with, their, with their pounds and their dollars, and that shows that there is confidence in the economy. And that's what makes me think we're poised for strong growth. But, Prime Minister, if you look at inflation, if you actually exclude energy, it's about, you know, been uh, down by, like, a fifth. So I don't know how much credit the government can actually take on that. Well, actually, if you look at core inflation, it's uh, pretty much middle of the pack for European economies, uh, forecast next year to be lower than the eurozone. And I think in the US, the last numbers I checked. So actually, the momentum on inflation is downwards and coming down faster than peers over the course of the next 12 months, if you look at the forecasts. Um, and we're making sure that we are disciplined with borrowing, like ultimately what investors are looking at to make sure that fiscal policy is sensible. We're not fueling the inflationary fire. We're being sensible on public sector wage settlements. Uh, and actually, you're seeing that feed through to the economy. And as I said, we're also improving labour supply. If I talk to businesses, you know, what they're keen to see is access to labour. We're making sure right. that our labour market uh, remains flexible, that we're moving people off welfare and into work. Uh, all of those things are contributing to, I think, downward momentum on inflation. But Prime Minister, if the OBR is actually right in their forecast, what does it mean where you can actually find some spending freeze or actually cuts? Well, what we've just delivered are significant tax cuts. Significant tax cuts for business, significant tax cuts for everybody in work. That's what our autumn statement last week did. Uh, the biggest tax cuts in one event since the 1980s, just to give people a sense of scale. For business, what we're doing is making full expensing permanent. So we will be the only major G7 economy, certainly, and even broader than that, where you get a total write-off against your taxes for capital investment. That's an incredibly generous regime to attract business investment. 
And it comes on top of the fact that our corporation tax rate here is lower than any other G7 economy. And when it comes to individuals in work, we've just delivered a very significant personal tax cut that will put £450 extra uh, in, in the bank accounts of a typical person in work over the next 12 months, which will also means, be Prime good Minister, for consumption as well. That, that you have to find money in, for example, departments where you know that voters actually want you to spend more in certain departments. So are you comfortable as, as you know, possibly being Prime Minister of Austerity? No, that's simply not the case. Actually, government spending in the UK right now is at very high levels. Historically, over this parliament, it's grown at very high levels, even in real terms after the impact of inflation. So I think any uh, commentary or accusation that that's what's happening is just simply unfounded. And we're at a point now given how people are feeling, given the amount that's being spent, where I think the priority has got to be lowering the tax burden. Right? Government's already spending a lot of people's money, and what we need to see going forward is more productivity out of the public sector, needs to match what we've seen in the private sector post-COVID, and I'd rather focus on efficiency in the public sector and prioritise cutting people's taxes rather than the government spending ever more of their money. That's the point, I think, and I'm very clear that that is the choice that we are making. But even if the voter doesn't necessarily feel that tax cuts because of inflation going up, so how much more can you cut taxes in April and beyond? Well, it wouldn't be right to speculate on future events. We're just still digesting the one we've had, which, as I said, delivered the biggest tax cuts since any event uh, since the 1980s. But what I have said is that this is the start of a journey. And, you know, I, I meant that when I said, look, after we got inflation down, I wanted to focus on making sure that we reward people's hard work, making sure that we grow the economy and responsibly cutting taxes and you know when we can do more we will because that's the direction of travel here now so that was the Prime Minister there speaking to Bloomberg's Francine Lacroix. Also in that interview, Rishi Sunak offered some careful, measured criticism of Elon Musk for promoting anti-Semitism on X, saying anti-Semitism in all its forms is completely and utterly wrong. The Capital Ideas Podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin. Investment professionals reveal their best mentors, how they find their next great idea, and a few funny stories. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. American Funds Distributors, Inc. Success is more than a destination. It's a path you take one step at a time. It's dedication. It's fortitude. And it's the work, passion, and grit inside of us that comes before all recognition. That's what Stiefel has been doing for over 130 years. And it's why Stiefel is one of the fastest growing wealth management firms in the country. And Stiefel goes beyond traditional wealth management to offer you a full suite of banking services, direct access to one of the industry's largest equity research franchises, and a leading middle market investment bank. Quietly, yet strategically, Stiefel has built a company and culture unlike any firm on Wall Street. Because success is the drive it takes to keep pushing. It's the passion to keep investing. It's the best of each of us made better by the best in all of us. And that is where success meets success. Find a financial advisor at Stiefel.com. That's S-T-I-F-E-L dot com. Stiefel, Nicholas & Company Incorporated. Member SIPC and NYSE. Well, let's go to the Middle East next. And there's a possibility that Israel and Hamas could extend the temporary ceasefire in Gaza to allow for the release of more hostages and prisoners. Over the past three days, Hamas has handed over 58 hostages, while Israel has freed 117 Palestinian women and minors held in its prisons. Joining us now for more is Bloomberg's Middle East Breaking News Editor, Dana Crate. Dana, good morning to you. Good to have you with us. Today is the last planned day of the ceasefire. How likely is it that it will be extended? 
There are talks of an extension. Qatar said yesterday, Qatar, the main mediator in in the hostage release and the truce, said yesterday that it is working on the political level to extend the truce. And um, President Biden also showed that the U.S. wants that ceasefire extended to allow more hostages to be released. But there's a detail there that's been overlooked. And um, it's what Qatar's prime minister said yesterday and today. In, in an interview, actually, he said that more than 40 other women and children were being kept captive in Gaza who were not believed to be held by Hamas, so either by civilians or gangs. He said the truce and its extension um, could be extended if Hamas was able to use the pause in the conflict to locate these hostages. So at the onset of the of the crisis when it happened and when um, after of course, Hamas um, infiltrated Israel. Hamas itself and its officials said, we know how many we are holding. We don't know how many the others are holding. And this could um, come out to be kind of a difficult thing to actually locate the hostages. So that might the extension might depend on that, on whether there is and whether Hamas can actually locate the hostages. Yeah. Okay. Um, So that on the situation with hostages in Gaza, what is happening with humanitarian aid to Gaza? Hundreds of trucks have have entered Gaza, including fuel trucks, um, food and also non-fuel items. So the pause has allowed the UN to scale up the delivery of assistance into and across Gaza. And uh, Qatar said yesterday that for the first time since the war began, uh, food uh, trucks and aid uh, actually entered the northern sector of Gaza, where the main ground operation of Israel uh, was concentrated. And so that is um, was a good signal. But of course, everyone, including the UN, is saying we need more to come in. And that could also um have a potential impact on whether the truce could be extended or not for the sake of allowing more aid into the enclave. This is Bloomberg Daybreak Europe, your morning brief on the stories making news from London to Wall Street and beyond. Look for us on your podcast feed every morning on Apple, Spotify and anywhere else you get your podcasts. You can also listen live each morning on London DAB Radio, the Bloomberg Business app and Bloomberg.com. Our flagship New York station is also available on your Amazon Alexa devices. Just say, Alexa, play Bloomberg 1130. I'm Caroline Hepke. And I'm Stephen Carroll. Join us again tomorrow morning for all the news you need to start your day, right here on Bloomberg Daybreak Europe. Osage County, Oklahoma is getting a lot of attention right now. It's the setting of Martin Scorsese's latest film, Killers of the Flower Moon. The movie is based on a book about the 1920s Osage murders, when white men poured into Osage County and killed Osage people for their oil wealth. I'm Rachel Adams Heard, the host of In Trust, a podcast from Bloomberg and iHeartMedia. For over a year, I was reporting a different story about other ways white people got Osage land and wealth and how a prominent ranching family in Osage County became one of the biggest landowners here. Their ranching empire was built on land that at the turn of the century was all owned by the Osage Nation. So how'd they get it? Listen to the award-winning podcast, In Trust, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.